our approach, it's, it's pretty straightforward. It does take time to do this and take some planning. And that's, that's the part that we excel at here at PTP. really are engaging with our customers, doing that war, finding environments like that, and then educating them on how to take things from that strict, prescribed, always on environment and making them more dynamic. As we walk through the environment, hey, how do you leave, how does it leave your office? How does it get to your AWS environment? Once it's there, what does this compute actually need to be? What is what is the right typing and right sizing mean for your cluster? These are the you know, steps that we're taking with all of our customers um, that have these kind of environments. We try to operate with people and our knowledge in the same way that Amazon operates with their infrastructure offering. You have to learn how to be versatile and use all the tools that are available to you. So, you know, so, and with the breadth of Amazon's catalog of things, you can click and deploy or write a single line of code to deploy. Yeah, it gets a little weird. It gets a little wild for uh, implementations, but you know, they all they all end up working and making sense in the long run. Having an understanding of bioinformatics and life science is a skill set, including high performance computing and being genuine about wanting to help their customers. Plus, also having an AWS life science competency, including the skills, knowledge, and knowing what it takes to be customer obsessed. Joining us today is Aaron, a senior cloud architect from PTP to talk about how they're helping their customers achieve not only cost optimization, well-architected, but performance for those pipelines. Please join me in welcoming Aaron Jeske, senior cloud architect at PTP to the show. Aaron, dude, it has been a while since we've been on together. Yeah, it has, John. It's great to see you again. Thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, take the time and talk to you today. Oh, no, thank you so much. I think the last time you and I were on a live stream or recording was when I was at AWS and you guys were sponsoring the Deep Racer event. You actually got me hooked on this stuff, by the way. <laughs> well, I'm glad to glad to have it, it been some part of the inspiration for you doing this. And I, yeah, I think that's right. We were I was buried in my basement. I had green hair at that time. Uh, which was real difficult when you have a green screen. So my head kept on kind of disappearing for some of those events. But yeah, it was a yeah, been a while. Oh man, you taught me all about live streaming, RMTP server, OBS Studio, and now it has taken me into a whole new direction. But that's pretty awesome. cool. Awesome. Well, glad to have been been there for the start of this. All right, so Aaron, I'm glad that you get to join me on my show and I get to return the favor that you once showed me as being a host. So now I get to host you on it. Sounds great. All right, so Aaron, let's talk about what is your exact role at PTP? What are you doing? All right, so uh, Senior Cloud Architect here at PTP, been with the company for a little over five years. And I, I, when I was filling out the bio for this thing, I realized that I'm coming up on almost 30 years in tech. That just frightens the heck out of me. Uh, and uh, yeah, so been, was on the customer side for a long time and uh, decided to jump over to sales engineering side. So here at PTP, I'm engaging with customers, figuring out what their problems are, really acting kind of you know, as an enterprise architect for uh, discovering what people's issues are and how we can get them moving faster in AWS. Aaron, you've been labeled as the mad scientist for cloud <laughs> architecting, by the way. Uh, how do you feel about that? 
I, I'm okay with that. It's a, uh, you know, part of, you know, 30 years of experience in technology, having started off back when, you know, I was racking and stacking 28.8 dial-up modems, you have to learn how to be versatile and use all the tools that are available to you. So, you know, so, and <laughs> with the breadth of Amazon's catalog of things you can click and deploy or write a single line of code to deploy. Yeah, it gets a little weird. It gets a little wild for uh, implementations, but you know, they all, they all end up working and making sense in the long run. All right, Aaron, let's jump into it and PTP and how they're helping customers. I've got a definition question for you. HPC, high performance computing, clustering. What are they? Are they the same thing? What's the difference? Well, if you ask people that are just getting started off, they're gonna say it's clustering, but as you as you start to educate them and hopefully develop their skill set in the capabilities of as software-defined computing, uh, they're going to move over to that being just that computing. Uh, so certainly when you have a cluster, you've got you know, you got legacy stuff, you've got multiple instances always running hot. Um, our high performance computing clusters that we help customers build uh, build out um, quite often have either no heartbeat server, you know, nothing there waiting for a job, something that's initiated by a Lambda trigger, um, or often just a, a tiny little, uh, you know, T1 series instance, nothing, nothing big at all, uh, just waiting for jobs. So to me, that's not a cluster. That's, you know, it still involves scheduling, uh, which is, you know, a big part of what a cluster is. However, it's not the traditional, I've got a whole bunch of compute rack stack running, waiting for jobs. It's, it's really about expansion capacity, um, the capacity planning and the execution of the growth of your cluster, of your compute, I should say. So <laughs> Aaron, I on itself. Yeah, so Aaron, some of your specialty at PTP is dealing with bioinformatic and life sciences stuff and customers who are geared and focused around there. Let's talk about HPC and customers that are looking to for you guys to help them out. When you traditionally go into a customer, and we'll just say customer A, right? And they might have an existing environment or cluster set up. What are some of the first things that you do? Do you just go in there and say, all right, I'm gonna change this, this, and this? Well, walk me through the steps of how you engage. Yeah, so um, yeah, we are a uh, AWS advanced tier partner, trying to find our way to premiere here. Uh, we'll, we'll hopefully get that soon. Uh, also, Life Sciences, we're one of the 14 now uh, in the in the Americas accredited life sciences competency holders. So, uh, you know, we take a lot of pride in our knowledge of not only the AWS space as a whole with that professional um, uh, relationship that we have, but also our, our focus on the life sciences side. So with that all said, uh, you know, we do follow the well-architected framework. We do start with either programmatic tools being deployed to do uh, to do a war um, or, you know, just manual execution of war if the you know, environment's small enough. But so we're doing those traditional uh, steps of information gathering, finding the boundaries, defining the edges, figuring out the blast radius for security issues. We're doing all of that as, as any other partner might be doing. But where we really uh, you know, thrive in, in the life sciences space is our ability to identify massive workload catastrophes, <laughs> quite frankly. Uh, we have found that so many organizations are being run, especially in the space that we focus in, which is the early stage uh, pre, you know, preclinical, sometimes clinical, but uh, usually not in the, uh, in you know, the post-product side of things. We're really focused early on. These companies are being run by uh, folks that came from really large institutions, be that uh, higher education, be that uh, another large uh, therapeutics organization, and they're coming to a smaller place, and they have some experience with AWS. They're 
they, they've worked with folks um, on things like the biotech blueprint to get a small cluster rolled out. Um, they've, you know, they know enough about CDK to get things implemented. They know how to go out and put their credit card in and get things going. But where they struggle is, uh, you know, that, that capacity change. So when you're going from working in Excel to trying to move things into either QuickSight or some other BI tool for uh, analyzing your data, you're not always aware of what all the features and set, uh, capabilities are in AWS. So what we find is people go out and deploy the biggest and nastiest thing ever. Uh, we were talking, you know, started off this conversation with what's the difference between cluster and compute. And we, we run into organizations that have full-blown 30 GPU on-demand instances running for years to do about a week's worth of work over the course of a year. Uh, so we really are engaging with our customers, doing that war, finding environments like that, and then educating them on how to take things from that strict, prescribed, always-on environment and making them more dynamic. That was a really long answer. Hopefully you'll find some. <laughs> no, actually, that was one of the questions because some of the things that you guys do when going into an existing environment is the very first thing you're talking about is performing a well-architected review. This is actually very critical. There are six pillars that you walk through and identify. It's a, it's a conversation that happens. There are some automation that, but, that you can do, but it's between you and the stakeholders within the company. You identify some of these cost optimizations, you, you know, the reliability, even the performance stuff. I think that's very key when you work with a customer. Are there any ones that might be running a while and you're like, all right, this is really good. Do you need to upgrade? Do you need to turn off, turn off some? How are you figuring out what is the best strategy for them in order to optimize their HPC? Yeah, so there's always a, there's always an aspect of every engagement we have that really is non-technical. Oh, sorry. You want? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna clap I'm gonna clap on that one for you. I'm, my dog just rang the bell, so let me go take the bell away from him. <laughs> you know we're leaving this in. This is the bell that my dog rings when he wants to go outside. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, wait, 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 wait a second, wait a second. I gotta I gotta stop right here on this thing. <laughs> You, you train your dog to ring the bell to go outside. Yes, yes. So he rings this gigantic bell when he wants to go outside. That is awesome. That I, is pretty I, cool. I, I pet proof the house for everything else during this uh, recording, except for taking the bell away. <laughs> oh, I, Aaron, you are definitely a mad scientist at this. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, so sorry about that. Forgot about the bell. <laughs> no, that that's awesome. So, Aaron, when you go into an existing environment, let's talk about that in a couple pieces. The first is, you know, they have their environment all set up. Do you look at it and try to upgrade the existing environment to keep them up and running? Is question number one, and then I'll ask you a couple afterwards. Great. So uh, most of the time, since we're dealing with customers that have really just built this organically and have uh, built their HPC environments organically, just out of and out of pure necessity, or or and quite frankly, often out of a, uh, they, they don't have much time to go off and build them. So they're they're just copy pasting examples. They're not thinking too much about where their workloads are going. Um, we usually leave those environments off running, and then we try to we try to. Uh, recreate as many of the features and functions that they absolutely baseline require to help grow their environment. So a lot of the times when we're engaging with customers, it's not always about the raw technical side of things. It's more about what are the 
you know, what are the capabilities that you want to go to? It's, it's having lots of conversations. It's not coming in saying, what version of, you know, do, of uh, Python do you need? You know, what kind of OS do you need? We're asking much broader questions when we initially start to have the conversation because so many customers have come from that standpoint where the environment is built out of, out of a rush. Uh, so we're, we take what's good from there, we learn what's good from there, and we re-implement on a new environment after having those kind of discussions following along. And that's why the war is so important because you really do, it trains you to discover the business needs first and then figure out how the technical needs can, can fulfill that. So Aaron, let me ask you the second part of that question. Is there an existing customer that you, is top of mind that you've gone through an analyzer environment that's been up and running for an entire year just to only find out that we only need to run it for one week out of the year? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, there's a customer that uh, you know that we we worked with. They came to, uh, through a relationship. They came to us uh, from somebody that had been at a different organization. Found the work that we had done there on their HPC environment. And this is this is a, an environment where it's it's bench all the way through analytics, HPC, all the stuff, and data lake all involved between. So they had a pretty big environment. Um, but what they found was that the person had that had built it had left about 18 months prior. Um, as part of their compute platform, one of their analytics tools was kept on a laptop in the CEO's office because they didn't want to risk losing that tool. Nobody knew how to upgrade it. Nobody knew how to maintain it. They powered it on just to run that analysis and then put it back in the CEO's office. Uh, so it was an environment that was extremely fragile, uh, but was functioning. And, it, and they were just concerned about what it would mean if any of these components broke. So this customer had, um, they were their sequencing environment was generating terabytes and terabytes of data each day. Uh, and they, in order to analyze those things, they left four different clusters up and running at all times. They weren't huge clusters. Uh, so as you can kind of see all these different moving components here, you data leaving the, leaving an on-site environment, landing into a whole bunch of S3 buckets that are being copied off into FSX clusters at a high, you know, for a high cost there. Uh, and then all these different clusters were able to attach and, and pull that data out. What we ended up finding was they only had all these different clusters running because they didn't know how to build their own images. They didn't know how to build specific uh, containers that could have all the software in there. So maybe they could reduce down and have one cluster that could do everything for them. They were also locked into a uh, single availability zone because of, uh, because of the uh, queuing system that they were using. So we, you know, as we started to expand them, expand their capabilities, we contracted their environment, but expanded their abilities by just learning about what kind of software do they need? What kind of compute instances do they need? Hey, maybe, you know what, we don't need to have this landing in an FSX cluster because it, the cost was uh, prohibitive. And the only reason they were using FSX was they were looking for the throughput, but they never needed it, um, even because their, their files were so small, there wasn't, wasn't a need. So as we walk through the environment, hey, how do you leave, how does it leave your office? How does it get to your AWS environment? Once it's there, what does this compute actually need to be? What is the, what is the right typing and right sizing mean for your cluster? These are the you know, steps that we're taking with all of our customers um, that have these kind of environments. Even if they think it's rock solid, because there's always room for improvement with anybody. Sometimes we find major improvement. Sometimes we find just little incremental improvement. Aaron, it sounds like you guys are detectives, investigators, <laughs> trying to figure yeah. out the full thing, but are genuine about it to help customers achieve their ultimate goals. The laptop example that you gave that was up and running, right? I see a lot of potential. It's like, it's working. You don't touch it, right? Don't it. Yeah, it's working. Why should I, yeah, why should I improve it? 
And and then they found, well, they were like, oh, well, we know that this has a newer version of the software, but we don't even know how to upgrade it. So, all right, well, we're going we're gonna to take that software package. We're going to find out what it is. We're going to throw it in a workspace for you. We're going to keep an Amy of it. So you can always go back if you need to go back. And now let's try upgrading and iterating on it. Next thing you know, they're, they've got a fleet of workspaces deployed to run this application in three different versions because there were three different people that needed uh, you know, three different feature sets. And now they, they have that capability. It's not, oh, let's, let's go and edit some environment variables so we load up a specific version of the software on this protected you know, laptop. Um, so yeah, those, that's the power of, of you know, doing this kind of analysis. How can you enable this? And they can also do it from home. Every, the person doesn't have to drive into Boston from the suburbs to go run a piece of analytics software. Aaron, talk to me about the security controls that you might implement for a customer like this, because they're, they have a laptop, they're going to S3, FSX, they're traversing throughout, you know, public network and, you know, passing data back and forth. What are some of the security controls that you might implement for a customer of this nature within AWS? Yeah, so this is another really problematic area that we run into, especially with uh, organizations that are looking to get into manufacturing. So when you get into that whole GXP world, and a lot of these organizations are running over in Europe. So GDPR, you've got HIPAA, you've got all, all of these concerns. Um, but people quite often are going out and say, oh, security group, any, any, let me SSH. Um, and that brings a real risk into anybody's environment. Um, so what we find that uh, the, these organizations are in dire need of is just being exposed to things like Transit Gateway and uh, the, the VPN client that are that are natively available in your, your AWS environment as soon as you click go. Um, so identifying what are the uh, the exterior access um, that requirements that they have and just rolling out simple VPN, putting a putting a network account into uh, you know a control tower deployed multi account structure, setting up that Transit Gateway, being able to use NACLs to uh, allow access into each of these sub accounts because you know what we can find quite often is you know, you've got an HR department that wants to run some something and maybe have a storage gateway with a few uh, S3 buckets backing it for some files that they have but you don't need your scientists to have access to that so we're, you know we, we start to deploy control tower well like I said control tower network account put that put that a hub account in there for access down uh, and then start you know connecting all the sub accounts into there um, that's you know our, our approach. It's pretty straightforward. Um, does take time to do this and takes some planning, and that's that's the part that we excel at here at PTP. Where you know I'm, I'm really proud to say that we uh we have those network capabilities. We also do have I think two or three folks on the team that are hold the network competency. So, oh, so nice. Well, we're going to talk about we'll we'll yeah. talk about skills in a second. Uh, some <laughs> of those, but so Aaron, it sounds like PTP is a trusted advisor of life sciences. Right, you guys are identifying all these aspects and all these things around are genuinely trying to help the customer out and achieve their goals. You know, you could leave some of these uh, clusters up and running and be like, ah, you guys are fine doing this, but you're looking for the best ways to improve their environment, to also make them be able to complete the work at hand and stop worrying about the infrastructure and how it's designed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It and this comes from, you know, it's it's a tenant of what I try to roll out with all of our customers here. I came from the customer side, like I said, you know, I've, I was you know, almost 30 years in, but been on the sales engineering side for only the last five years. Um, and one of the things that I always struggled with partnering with a third party to come in and, and work inside of my environment is that trust of, 
do you really care about what I do? Um, do you really care that my bill has gone up 5X since, uh, since my team started to deploy? And when you start to engage with folks on what their business means to them, I, I don't always know what their scientists are doing. I, I don't understand the deep kinds of it. I'm not that I'm not a scientist. I'm a technologist. So what we try to do here, and something that I think goes for any anybody that becomes truly successful in the space that we work in, is really understanding what the business needs and showing them that I'm not just here to make sure that you can execute. I'm making sure that you can execute well and effectively, and that be that cost or via production. Um, that's you know, something that I think a, a lot of folks could do better by doing. Don't just come in and say, hey, I wrote that, that Terraform script, that CloudFormation thing is committed to Git. Good luck. Um, it's it's going to build, you know, relationship building is really what it comes down to. It's long-term. It's things that, are, yeah. you know, you're not coming in to just get this done and get out. You're building a long-term relationship and you're building that trust. Trust takes a while to do. And I think PTP has accomplished that with its customers. I've worked with you guys on a number of things. I've actually worked with you on other events. When we're not doing podcasts, by the way, great company, great thing. To oh, a huge shout out I want to give everybody. PTP is a sponsor at reInvent. Make sure you check it out. I cannot wait to have you guys out there. But getting back to this, Aaron, let's talk about skills. You're a senior cloud architect. I've talked to a number of folks there. You have you just mentioned a couple have their networking competency. How important are skills and the understanding of life science and what you guys do? So, you know, there's there are people out there that just chase after certifications. I avoid it. You can ask Ethan Simmons, the managing partner, how much I fought tooth and nail to not get a certification. I made it through a huge part of my career without without uh, ever having to have any kind of certification, but uh, the value PTP sees in that not only is ensuring that our team members have the skill set to truly work inside of an environment, but it also demonstrates out to Amazon and gives us more exposure. Um, you know, we've been fortunate enough by getting by achieving the, you know, network competency, life sciences competency, um, we're you know, going after a few others, having our team uh, members, as many of them as possible, become pro. Amazon sees that and we get exposed to new things. So when you are able to demonstrate, look, I'm committed to Amazon and the 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 way that the way of Amazon it sounds like a sounds like a Star Wars line or something. <laughs> but when you start to adopt that that approach, uh, Amazon's going to give you a lot more opportunity to play in areas you may not always get to play. And so uh, new new types of customers, it allows customers to build the trust with us. Hey, Amazon trusts them to work in this place customers are going to trust us to work and something that may be a little bit of a stretch for us from, you know, uh, a point of view of, do you have a white paper on this? Do you have, do you have a customer use case of this specific product? Well, no, but I've got seven of the eight products you're looking to use. And we've demonstrated that we're really good at those things, either by certification or by those use cases or customer examples. Uh, that's, that's, that's the value that we see with it here. It's not just always about ensuring that, that uh, you know, you you can check the box and get that professional or the get that uh, that advanced tier certification. It's really about demonstrating the skill set of of our of, of our team here to get to get in with our customers and do well for them. Do you feel like having these certifications or having these skill sets have helped you know not only you 
but your PTP customers and understanding their environment rather than chasing certifications, but being specific to in you know a general area or an isolated area. Yeah, um, well, I think in the in the uh, in the networking world, that has definitely set us apart. Um, I don't think enough. So many people go towards uh, cloud and think, oh, it's just I'm just going to you know add to my route table and everything's fine. But there's really so much more to understand about network capacity and access. Uh, so that competency that uh, we have a few folks on the team that hold uh, really helps accelerate our ability to move data and to really get workloads in and deployed effectively. Um, as for our, our folks that are more working on the DevOps and engineering side of things, certainly having that skill set of you may be um, you know working on some some lambda function, but you haven't used you haven't used steps yet. But you can bump into a customer where steps becomes effective because you've gone through that track of being exposed. It's you know it's like a liberal arts degree in in college. You, you may not have a specific uh, focus on some science, but you have exposure to know, hey, it exists. Let me go chase after that to find out if that's the solution. That's the the power that we we often see here with our engineers that they may not have touched it every single day, but they know it exists because it was on a test. How do you feel your networking expertise coming from, you know, racking and stacking servers has helped you within the public cloud environment? Because I'll give you my take on it. So, uh, you know, we, we go back, I, I believe we were at the video, we might have crossed paths at that video delivery company I worked with for a while ago. Uh, and back when VPC peering didn't even exist. <laughs> um, and uh, customers haven't really been exposed to things like transit gateway being, and, and the benefit of being able to contain that blast radius. So we often end up in environments that might be having a, a you know a high trust audit performed against it. And they can't demonstrate that logging is uh, being done on an environment that is strictly controlled because it, it, it exists in an account that isn't you know a very lightly controlled environment. So it was just deployed there because it was the only place they had to deploy it. They didn't understand, hey, look, I can still access that securely with Knackles or, or Paul's uh, um, um, security groups being applied between them, some you know limiting my routes, but I can put it in another VPC. I can put it in another account. Um, so that blast radius containment uh, and understanding how you can still wire everything up in the background uh, is is pretty pretty powerful and uh, helps us quite a bit with getting through those audits. Aaron, I want to come back to the customer case study that you were talking about and how you took it from their laptop. The four clusters run into AWS workspaces. What was the ultimate outcome there? So that customer, uh, I mean, beyond the financial improvement uh, of just not having to have that much uh, that much deployed all the time and running and having those heartbeat systems running, uh, their speed to market of their testing went up significantly. Because not, not only were we able to get those clusters freed up get them available to more of their science, their scientific team. Uh, they were also able to get resources that were more appropriate for their deployment. So, um, you know, if you've ever done anything with HPC in, in uh, a single region, um, you know that finding GPU instances, or really if you've ever tried to find GPU instances in a specific availability zone in a specific region, um, it can be tough and their workloads we're requiring that by opening them up so they can get into more AZs uh, to get access into those additional GPU instances, 
their speed of which they could finish their science dramatically improved as well. So cost reduction, and then also the ability to uh, get their work done faster. Now, when you're saying the limited resources of the GPU is because there is a service limit within that region. Yeah, right? sorry, uh, two reasons, uh, service limits. And then uh, because if you try to go in and drop a giant GPU instance uh, into your account and you just signed up, you're not getting it. So you're gonna have to put in a request to get access to GPU. Um, so yes, you're you're not always going to be able to get the limit. You're not always going to be able to get your service limit increased. You paid a few bills, or you developed your relationship with AWS. Uh, but also, it, their their scenario specifically was they were looking for spot. They were trying to run as cheap as possible. So the the pool of available spot GPU was always really low, and you know, or can be low in a specific AZ. So if you can shop around to you know all you know six AZs, um, seven AZs, you can likely find more for your uh, more capacity for your environment. Are you helping customers in that capacity type planning scenario? Yeah, so we do help in the capacity planning side of things. Uh, however, we also partner up with some other organizations like Spot um, to help just make it so that instead of having to go shop around for reserved or Spot instances, we can help um, with RI arbitrage and uh, tools and uh, capacity pruning and, and growing uh, in that way. So with this customer that you helped out and really kind of expanded their clusters into multiple AZs and GPU utilization, when you're done, who manages this environment? Because now you've got cross between you and them and they might be using it for their analytics and kind of analyzing the pipeline, but who is managing this overall? So. Well, Amazon mostly, right? <laughs> so that's, that's what that's the goal. Uh, and we're just out there deploying the software at that point. Uh, but in, in the reality, of, uh, reality of these situations is we have a uh, we do have a network operations center filled with engineers that can help out with these things on a daily basis. Uh, but quite frankly, they're only submitting tickets when they get really stuck. Uh, as we start to go through that information gathering process, uh, through, you know, either through the war or just the development of of the relationship with the customer, um, we try to identify folks that they're not going to be full blown technologists, engineers, but they're at least going to be pretty savvy administrators, people that can understand how uh, Docker files work and how to upgrade software, things that, quite frankly, are pretty, uh, uh, you know, pretty. I don't want to say entry level necessarily because it's uh, it, it is a, a skill, but it's a, the novice side of using uh, containerization. So we make sure that we uh, we work with the team. We make uh, give them the opportunity. Do you want to sit with our engineer and learn how to update these things on your own? And quite often, these people do because they're up working throughout the night, weekends, whatever. They want to get some work done. They don't want to have to wait for us. Uh, but then we do have other teams that say, you know, we have so much going on. We're just going to submit a ticket so it's it's a combination but we're always willing to help educate our customers on how to do it themselves if that's what they want so wait a second you're empowering customers to take things over and basically kind of getting yourselves out of the job that is kind of customer obsession right because you're not trying to yeah. stick around long term unless they want you or need you but you're there and always available but you're you're educating them on how to do it themselves and say hey listen where if you need us but it's your environment, you know, let's train you. Yeah, well, Mike McElhaney, uh, one of uh, the, uh, the team members here, he puts it really well whenever he starts to talk to new customers. We try to operate with people and, and our knowledge 
in the same way that Amazon operates with their infrastructure offerings. Um, so if you need us, we'll be there for you. And it, when you don't, let's pull back. Uh, you know, many of our engagements are, I think are a lot of our competitors would say, why are you only doing so few hours per month committed to this customer? Because sometimes there are three, four months that go by where we don't get any calls. And then a month four or five, suddenly I, we need 50 hours worth of work. Um, and, and our, you know, our plan, our capacity, internal capacity planning for having the appropriate engineers available uh, when those things come up uh, and, and, and our great account management team that can kind of predict, hey, look, there's some projects coming down the pipe here for these four customers. Let's make sure that we have some time coming up in December to support them. Uh, you know, that's on us to help do that internal capacity planning, just like Amazon does with their compute. Uh, they get to know their customers. They understand when that need is going to arise in advance and uh, plan accordingly. And we just do the same thing, but with people in their big brains. I like it. I like how PTP is like, we're going to give back. You guys are going to run this if you'd like. If not, we're here. I mean, you quoted it yourself. I, I love that aspect of it. Aaron, is there anything else that PTP is doing or working on that's upcoming? Uh, well, we'll be uh, sponsoring that that event with you in, uh, in a couple of weeks out at reInvent. So we've got some, you know, we're always uh, out there trying to reach out now that uh, we can all meet together in person. We're out there sponsoring a whole bunch of great events. So we'll get you a whole bunch of links to include in after this. Um, I think, you know, what we're, but, uh, from a, but from a technology point of view, what we're focusing on is, you know, we're trying to expand our, uh, our abilities in the data migration side of things. So helping customers get the uh, data out of their lab and into, into Amazon. Um, there's a lot of great IoT opportunity there. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's the big area I see us, our, us growing in um, you know, for, for, uh, in, in the future here. Wait a second, Aaron. Talk to me a little bit more about that because I wasn't aware in, in, in the data migration aspect. Yeah. So, um, so you know, as we've as we found um, new customers, we end up with a bioinformatician that saying, "So I've got this instrument over there. My scientists ran all this stuff, and then I come in the next day, and there's a USB key sitting on my desk. I put that into my laptop. I then run some I run our studio locally or whatever it is that they're doing." Uh, but it's just not working anymore because I've got 15 more instruments coming in. Our, my data is going to increase to 400, uh, 400 terabytes a day. Help me out. Um, so what we end up doing is, you know, working with that networking aspect. Let's build up your network. Let's get a storage gateway in there. Let's get this data uh, presented as a SIFS drive for your instrument to put that directly on there and ship it off to S3. And, uh, and then have a Lambda trigger that will automatically start to run your HPC job or will get, you know, get that data presented to your Shiny server. Those are the types of things that um, I think are really going to start to accelerate not only the growth of PTP's business, but help so many organizations uh, get, their, get their environments up and going. There's so many in, in, just impressive instruments that are coming out for uh, sequencing now specifically um, and getting that data out as quickly as possible and into the scientist's hands, which used to be a struggle, um, is, is going to be really powerful. And as for the IoT thing, we we're working with a few customers that are um, building uh, bioreactors. And instead of having those devices write a CSV file to a drive share, uh, they're using the full-blown IoT kit to get that data written directly out to a data store in AWS, and then having the, those analytics be available right there. So instrument directly to your data store for analysis. 
I think we need to do a future podcast on the IoT device. <laughs> I'm very intrigued on how it's doing that and yeah. how it's going to be handled. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's some pretty great stuff, and that's I think those that's the growth area. Like I said, that's the growth area I see for uh, where we're going. There's always in- incredible AI uh, and ML capacities coming as well. Um, you know, we're we're fortunate enough to be working with folks like Eric Zimmerman over at AWS to to give us uh, an idea of where Amazon's heading. And there's going to be a lot of really great stuff that uh, that's going to be coming out here in the next few months to improve that AI side of things as well. So you got you got to get the data, and then you got to do something with it. So we're we're trying to fight, fight you know, uh, help on both sides of that battle. Aaron, I think the data migration aspect you guys have been doing for years, you just didn't know it because you're handling all the clusters, right? From data from moving from one to the other, it's a natural progression and you understand all the logistics and the technology that it takes to get this data. Now you need to move mass amounts of data. Well, you have the skills on site, you have the skills to handle that and the understanding of how to do that. Now you guys are really laser focused on how to do both, not only HPC clusters and all the pipelines that it takes to get the work done for the analyst, but the data migration between that and not using a USB drive. Yeah, yeah. let's get rid of those USB drives. <laughs> I don't think anybody, does anybody really use those anymore? Like they used to hand them out, but those, I, I would throw oh, them away. Yeah. Like, why would you, why would you plug this thing in? I, I think I found a, a 32 megabyte Cisco branded uh, USB stick. I was looking, building a computer for my kids this week, this past week. And Oh, I need a I need a thumb drive. I need a thumb drive, and oh, that's what am I going to do with this? Can I even put one photo from my iPhone on this? I'm not sure. You could put a small CSV file if you're lucky. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Aaron, before we wrap things up, is there anything you'd like to leave with our guests? No, uh, I think that we we've covered quite a bit of ground here, but I uh, appreciate the time today, and uh, you know, please, if you're interested in hearing more of PTP's story directly and uh, finding out how we can help your organization, please feel free to reach out to us. All the deets are in the description kind of thing. Is that what the YouTubers say these days? Um, <laughs> so yeah, check check it out. We'd be happy, love, to have, love to hear from you and you know, see how we can help. All right, awesome. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, John. Great to see you again. All right, everybody, Aaron Jeske, Senior Cloud Architect at PTP. I'm your host, John Meyer. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and notify because guess what? We're out of here.